This morning we'll be reading from 2 Timothy and from Ephesians. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first offence, no one came to support me, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Well, good morning. My name is Adam, if we haven't met, and it's uh, great to be together today. What a a powerful time uh, we've had together already, and now we get to open up God's Word and you know, we're in a, a, the back end of a series that we've called Beneath the Surface, Exploring Issues of the Heart. What we've been doing for the last few weeks is looking at areas of our lives that tell us something about the state of our hearts. They're like lights on the dashboard of our lives. And so in the first week of this series, two weeks ago, we explored our emotions, An incredibly important topic. I hope that you've been able to apply some of that in your day-to-day life. Last week, we uh, began to expose our treasure. We peeled the sticky tape off that important area of our lives, our money. And it was a little bit painful, it was a little bit challenging, but it was also incredibly liberating. And the response from many of you was wonderful. Last week after the service, we had three more children sponsored in Northern Thailand for the Ministry of Compassion. We had tins taken to raise money to support the New Life Orphanage in Myanmar. We had discussions around generosity and and giving and the way that we can use our money to that end. We also, as Ben mentioned, raised almost $1,200 to to feed high school students through the Chappie Breakfast at Bray Park State High School. So thank you for allowing the Word of God to work in your heart. And today we're going to push a little bit further and we're going to go a little bit deeper as we talk about embracing forgiveness. Embracing forgiveness. Now when I think about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness, I think about this lady. Corrie Ten Boom. Now, many of you would know that Corrie and her sister Betsy were placed in a concentration camp during World War II for hiding Jews. Now, Betsy died in the camp, but Corrie survived. And after the war, she traveled around sharing her story and talking about God's forgiveness of our sins and our need to forgive others. But Corrie was challenged deeply herself one day in 1947 when she was talking at a church in Munich in Germany. And after the service, an old man in a grey overcoat stepped forward to greet her. And Corrie froze. She knew this man. 
This man was one of the most vicious guards at Ravensbrook, the, the camp where she was placed. And now he was in front of her and he was pushing out his hand to shake hers. And he was saying to her, a fine message for our line. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. Corrie says, I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him, and I remembered his leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. But since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, will you forgive me? Corey says, I stood there. I whose sins had again and again to be forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? The soldier stood there waiting for Corrie to shake his hand and she says, I wrestled with the most difficult thing I'd ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. Standing before the former guard, Corrie remembered forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. Help me, Jesus, she prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. Corrie thrust out her hand and she says, as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. But even so, I realized it was not my love. I had tried and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, our moments of forgiveness might not be as dramatic as that, but they are just as important. Because the truth is, forgiveness has the power to set us free, to set us free from resentment, from bitterness, and from pain. And like our emotions and like our money, forgiveness is an issue that every single one of us faces. Because every single one of us experiences the bumps and the bruises of relationships in this broken world. In fact, any time we invest ourselves in a relationship, we open ourselves up to the potential of being wounded. And I know that many of us, most of us, all of us in this room have been wounded. Maybe a friend has betrayed you. Maybe a parent abused you. A spouse left you. A child hurt you. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was a lifetime ago but you struggled to forget it and you did not deserve it. And to even contemplate forgiving that person, it seems almost impossible. Because the truth is, to forgive 
is not only incredibly important, it is also incredibly difficult. Andre Peterson uh, wrote an essay on forgiveness titled, The Thing We Don't Do. And she says, forgiving is the hardest thing you will ever do. That's why most people don't do it. We talk about it, cheer for it, preach on it, and we're sure we've practiced it. But mostly, the illusion of having forgiven is that the passage of time dulls our memory. In other words, what she's saying is that to really forgive someone is so hard that most of us don't really do it. We just allow the the layers of time to kind of cover over the wound, but we don't really deal with the wound. And it's obvious that we haven't really dealt with the wound through our explosions of anger, through our snide remarks and our petty behavior, through the lists that we keep in our minds, through the gossip that we choose to pass on, through the excuses that we make for our reactions and for our cold and judgmental hearts. Forgiving is so difficult that many of us assume we've done it when we actually haven't. Because when we forgive someone, we are making the promise to not dwell on the hurt, to not wallow on the wound, to not bring it up with them or with others. When the truth is, we really do want to bring it up. We really do want to dwell on it. We don't want to to let people get away with what they've done. We don't want to release them from their debt. But if we are going to really forgive And this is exactly what we have to do. Again, Andre Peterson in that essay, she says, forgiveness is a brutal mathematical transaction done with fully engaged faculties. It's my pain instead of yours. I eat the debt. I absorb the misery I wanted to dish out on you and you go scot-free. Beware the forgiveness, she says, that is tendered soon after injury. Be suspicious. Real forgiveness needs a time lag, for it is wrought in private agony before it ever comes to public amnesty. Or Tim Keller, he shares the letter that a young man once wrote when he had to forgive a woman in his life. And this young man wrote, he said, I forgave her and it took me a whole year. And I had to forgive her, listen to this, in small sums over that 12 months. I paid those sums whenever I spoke to her and kept myself from rehashing the past. I paid them whenever I saw her with another man and refused self-pity and rehearsal inside for what she'd done to me. I paid them whenever I praised her to others when I really wanted to slice away at her reputation. Those were the payments, but she never knew them. Forgiveness is often paid in small sums over a long period of time. And it's difficult, it's painful, and it's costly. But if we are going to walk in spiritual health and in spiritual maturity, we must learn to forgive. We must understand what God has to say to us about forgiveness. And we must understand all that we've been forgiven in Christ. I mean, God himself, think about this, God himself knows what it is like to forgive. He knows what it's like to experience the deep pain of broken relationship and to endure the deep cost of genuine forgiveness. I mean, the story of the Bible is the story of God 
turning towards those who have turned away from him. It's the story of God reconciling with his rebellious people, of God forgiving undeserving sinners like you and me at great personal cost to himself. Because on the cross, Jesus absorbed our debt. Jesus paid our penalty so that we could go free, so that we could be forgiven. And listen, it's only when you understand all that you've been forgiven that you will have the power to forgive others. In other words, let me put it simply, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. That's the teaching of the New Testament summarized. Forgiven people forgive people. This is what we read a moment ago in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. These words from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. Remember what he said? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiven people forgive people. Now maybe you're thinking, yeah, yeah, but Adam, you don't know what's been done to me. You don't know what's happened to me, what's been said about me. How can you say that to me without understanding that? I mean, does Paul, even the author of these words, does he understand what it means to forgive? Does he know what it's like? You see, it's easy for someone to tell you to forgive, but if they haven't experienced similar pains and hurts to you, then maybe their words will ring a little bit hollow. The truth is, the Apostle Paul, he knows what it means to forgive. He has experienced the pain and the brokenness of life in this world. If you have time today, read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul understood pain and hurt and brokenness. And there's a specific example from his life that I'd like to look at this morning that shows us how we can deal with our hurts and how we can embrace forgiveness. And we see it at the end of 2 Timothy in that passage we read just a moment ago. Now, I heard a sermon by a pastor named Kyle Eidelman earlier this year on this passage that was helpful. And so I'm bouncing out of him a little bit this morning. But what we see there in 2 Timothy is we give an insight into some of the hurts that Paul himself had experienced. Now, Paul, of course, wrote much of the New Testament. He wrote letters to churches like Ephesians. He also wrote letters to church leaders like Timothy. This is why we have 1 and 2 Timothy. And at the end of this letter of 2 Timothy, Paul refers to some relational bumps and bruises and breakdowns that he himself had experienced. And he shows us how he dealt with them. So let's pick it up in verse 14, where we're introduced to a man named Alexander. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. Now, what did Alexander do to Paul? We have no idea. Paul never says. He doesn't unpack what had happened. We know that it was significant. That word harm means something which is depraved or evil. Whatever it was, it was not small. But Paul doesn't go into any detail. He doesn't dwell on what happened to him. He doesn't get caught up in complaining about it. He simply acknowledges his hurt. And this is the first step that we need to take. This is the first step to embrace forgiveness. It is to acknowledge your hurt. You cannot forgive 
what you refuse to acknowledge. If you overlook, if you deny your pain, you will not be able to deal with your pain and move forward into forgiveness and healing. Now, of course, we need to be a little bit careful here because the truth is sometimes we allow ourselves to be hurt or offended by things that really shouldn't hurt or offend us. I mean, there are some bumps and bruises in our relationships that don't really require forgiveness. If we're honest, they require us to get over it. They require us to develop a sense of humor, to not be so easily offended and so fragile. I love the way that Lewis Smedes puts it, a, a professor, an author. Listen to what he writes. He says, we need to sort out our hurts and learn the difference between those that call for the miracle of forgiveness and those that can be born with a sense of humor. If we lump all our hurts together and prescribe forgiveness for all of them, we turn the art of forgiving into something cheap and commonplace. Listen to this. Like good wine, forgiving must be preserved for the right occasion. You see, in our relationships, there will be deep wounds that require forgiveness. There will also be superficial bumps that we need to learn to shrug off. Now, the truth is, this is so important because nothing will rob your joy more quickly. Nothing will chip away at your relationships more quickly. Nothing will alienate people in your life more quickly than being overly sensitive and easily offended. This is why Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, good sense, uh, good sense makes one slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook an offense. So not get angry about an offense, but to overlook an offense. And so some of us, we turn every bump into a big issue, every molehill into a mountain, and we need to learn to, to grow some resilience. But of course, there's also others of us who overlook our wounds, who ignore our pain, and we don't deal with it. We don't acknowledge it. I mean, there are some wounds in this room that have never been acknowledged. We've just pretended that they never happened. But meanwhile, the wound has infected and it has spread. But if we're going to heal from our wounds, we must acknowledge them. I mean, we know how this works physically, don't we? If you break your leg and you just kind of brush it off, ah, it's not a big deal, I'll be right, it's going to get worse. And if you can walk at all, you are going to walk with a limp. And this is true emotionally as well. If you have been abused or victimized or betrayed, the path to healing and the road to forgiveness, it begins with honesty. It begins with acknowledging your hurt. Now I know that some of us have incredibly deep hurt and incredibly deep pain. And we feel like we can't admit it and we can't talk about it. Now if that's you, let me encourage you to seek help from a professional. To seek help from someone who can guide you through the process of talking about it. But the point I want to make this morning is that it's okay to admit that you're not okay. It's okay to admit that you need help to forgive. It's okay to acknowledge your pain. This is why Paul begins the way that he does, but he doesn't stop there. Look at what he goes on to say in the second half of verse 14. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. He really hurt me. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. And so here's the next move that Paul makes, the, the second step towards embracing forgiveness. And it is to release your right to get even. Paul acknowledges what has happened to him, but then he releases it to God. 
He releases his right to even the score. Now, there's something within us that thinks, I'll get over it when I get even. When I make them feel the way that I, they made me feel, that's when I'll forgive them. But that's not forgiveness, that's revenge. And the Bible says in Romans 12 verse 19, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. When we insist on evening the score, on dishing out the punishment, we are putting ourselves in God's seat. We're taking God's place. And this is why Paul acknowledges the hurt, and then in the next breath, he releases it to God. And so when the DVD in your mind hits play on the episode about what happened to you, you need to hit stop. You say, God, I've seen this before. I don't need to see it again. God, I've thought this through more times than I would like to admit. I don't need to keep thinking it through. I can't deal with the weight of what happened to me and I'm going to release it to you. Now, This doesn't mean that if someone has committed a crime against you, that you don't report it. It does not mean that you remain in an abusive situation. In fact, look at what Paul goes on to say next in verse 15. He says to Timothy, this leader of of a church, he says, you too should be on your guard against him, against Alexander, because he strongly opposed our message. So Paul acknowledges what was done, he releases it to God, but then he puts in place some boundaries, some guardrails. He doesn't act as if Alexander has done nothing and you know, it doesn't matter. He understands that moving forward, there need to be some, needs to be some boundaries in place because forgiveness is not naivety. And there are consequences to our actions and, and the actions of others, even when there is forgiveness. And so we can learn here from Paul's example towards Alexander. We need to acknowledge our hurt. We need to release our right to get even and to put boundaries in place when we need to. But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 16, actually, to tell us about some pain that was caused by some of his friends and his fellow Christians. Look at what he says. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Now most likely Paul is talking here about a time when he stood on trial before the Roman authorities. But even with his life on the line, no one came to his defense. No one came to support him. He was deserted in his time of need. And some of you know what that's like. Some of you counted on someone and they let you down. You thought you could trust them and they betrayed you. You gave them your heart, and they returned it back to you. You served alongside them, maybe in the church, and they deceived you. And this, if we're honest, is a different, deeper kind of hurt. Because the deeper and the more intimate the relationship, the deeper and the more devastating the hurt can be. Now, I know there are exceptions to this. There are people that come into our life, and and they can commit an offense so offensive and so egregious that it causes us deep wounds and deep pain. But more often than not, the people closest to us have the potential to hurt us the most. And Paul knows what this is like. He knows what it's like to be betrayed by a friend. He knows what it's like to be hurt by a fellow Christian. And so what's his response? Does he say to Timothy, kick him out of the church? You know, Paul's a man with a bit of authority. He he might have been able to write that. 
Look what he says. May it not be held against them. In the same way that he responded to Alexander, Paul releases his right to get even. He prays for these people. May it not be held against them. And this is the third step that Paul takes, and this is the third step to embracing forgiveness. Pray for the person who hurt you. This is what Jesus modeled from the cross, and this is what Jesus taught us in Luke 6. Love your enemies, he said. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, let's be honest. It is not hard to bless those who bless us, to be kind to those who are kind to us. Those people are easy. But what about those people who curse us? What about those people who mistreat us? Jesus says, pray for them. And of course, this becomes really difficult when we move from the general to the specific, when we begin to attach faces and names to this verse. I mean, right now, you might be thinking, I'm meant to pray for this person who hurt me? Adam, you mentioned a psalm a few weeks ago about someone being kicked in the teeth. Tell me what that psalm was again. I'll pray that one for them. You know, this doesn't just sound difficult. This sounds impossible. But like we heard a moment ago from, from Grace, Jesus again and again calls us to do difficult things. And he doesn't call us to do difficult things because he wants to harm us. He does it for our good. And Jesus is calling on us to pray for the person who hurt us for our good. Now maybe the prayer will be as simple as, Lord, soften my heart to this person. But I want to challenge you to do this this week. Begin to pray for the person who hurt you. Just see what God might do. Because even though you might feel weak, even though you might feel like you can't do it, God is with you. He's with you. In fact, this is what Paul goes on to say. He says, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul acknowledges his hurt. He releases his right to get even. He turns to pray for the people who hurt him. And then this fourth and final step, the fourth step to embracing forgiveness, is that you are to remember that God is standing with you. Paul acknowledges here that people will let you down. You will be hurt, you will be betrayed, you'll be disappointed. But in those moments and in those times, God is faithful. Now some of you know this from experience. When you were hurt, when you were disappointed, when you were betrayed and the pain was almost unbearable, you found God to be your refuge. He gave you strength. He stood with you. And you learned to depend on him in a way that you you didn't even think you could. Some of you are there right now. I don't know exactly what you're going through. I don't know exactly what's happened to you. But I do know that you can lean on him and he won't let you go. Because he understands. He knows what it's like to be hurt, to be mocked, to be ridiculed, to be betrayed. Jesus was betrayed by the kiss of a friend. He knows what it's like. And this is why the Bible says that you can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need.
Paul's saying in this passage, you know, this really, really hurt. And it was really, really hard. But God was with me. And God gave me strength. And he will take me to his heavenly kingdom. And it's my prayer that you will be able to say the same thing. Maybe you came in this morning carrying some significant weight. Maybe there's some anger and there's some bitterness in your heart. Maybe there's a relationship that you know is fractured. You know that there's someone you need to reach out to to ask for forgiveness. There's someone that you need to extend forgiveness to. And it's my prayer that you would walk out of here this morning with the resolve to do that. Looking at what God has done for you in Christ so that you may extend that same forgiveness to others. And look, it's not going to be a one-time thing. It's going to be a journey with ups and downs and detours. But why don't we start that journey towards healing, towards hope, and towards forgiveness today? Because God is with us each and every step of the journey. Let me pray for us. Father, only you understand how much hurt and pain some of us are carrying with us this morning. But today we want to turn to you. We want to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We don't want to carry it any longer. We want to give it to you. We don't want to walk in in bitterness and aloofness and unforgiveness. We want to forgive as you have forgiven us. Help us. Help us, Lord, to know the forgiveness you've given to us so that we may extend it to others. Lord, you know all the ways that we've hurt others and we confess our sin. And we receive gratefully the blood-bought forgiveness from the cross of Jesus. We need it daily. And today we want to turn to you and choose to forgive the way that you have forgiven us. And every time the memory comes back, Lord, we'll forgive that person again and again and again until the pain is gone. Heal our heart, Lord, with your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand together as we respond in song.